Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. God bless you. I want to share a couple of things we've got to do before we get into the lesson today. Once again, I want to remind you that there in your seats as you came in, you found this uh, little uh, folder. It is a sign-up to volunteer for Jesus and his friends. If you've done it in the past, we need you to do it once again. Uh, If you've never done it, please sign up. You will absolutely be blessed to be a part of Jesus and his friends on that Saturday morning, uh, being able to help and bless so many different families. I also want to share with you that today is really the last day for the ladies' holiday banquet that is coming up this Tuesday night. Uh, Now, I'm sure I haven't been in the foyer, but I'm sure that there is someone at the host desk. Uh, You can pick your tickets up there, not just for you, but maybe for a family member or a friend so that you can bring them with you. But it is vitally, vitally important that you get your ticket this morning, if you haven't already, before you leave uh, there in the commons area at the host desk. And I also want to remind you that in the bulletin, Uh, You should see the Christmas Now and Then rehearsal schedule, so please keep that in front of you. And Nicole had texted me earlier this morning, if uh, you were unable to make the rehearsal last week, and maybe you knew you couldn't make it so you didn't sign up, uh, she is saying that if you would still like to be a part of Christmas Now and Then, and I know that there are some areas where they still need you uh, to be a part She said, go ahead and come to the rehearsal today. Maybe you didn't get a chance to sign up, but you are welcome to come and be a part of the rehearsal today. Amen. I want to share with you today, um, as I was praying about it and and looking at different scripture and and going through things, uh, I, I think really the culture that we are living in uh, began to really weigh heavy on my heart. We live in a culture, it's almost where you can't say or do anything anymore without offending someone. And it's almost like I walk up to someone and say, I'm offended because you're offended. Well, I'm offended because you say I'm offended. Well, then I'm offended because you're offended that I'm offended you're offended. Oh, yeah, well, I'm offended that you're offended that I'm offended that you're offended that I'm offended you're offended. That's kind of how ludicrous the situation has become. Now, listen, I will tell anybody that you always have your right to your opinion. That's the reason we honor our veterans today. That's what they fought and died for. So that anyone and everyone in America could have an opinion. But, but, you know, I've, I've said this quite often. You're, you're more than entitled to have your opinion, even if it is completely against what I believe. And the reason you are entitled to have your, offended, your, your uh, opinion, I'm sorry, <laughs> even if it disagrees with me, everybody has a right to be wrong if they want to be wrong. Because I know where I stand on any given subject. I'm in the right, hallelujah. 
<laughs> Jesus told us, tell you what, while, while I'm sharing this with you, go over to Philippians chapter 3. Jesus told us that the enemy, Satan, the one who battles against us daily on a regular situation, he said the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. That's all he desires to do in your life. But Jesus made it very clear after that. He said, but I, Jesus, your Lord and Savior, I have come to give you life and that you may enjoy that life to the abundant. A little bit of my translation, but that's, that's what it said. For the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life and to give that to you abundantly. I want to share this beginning scripture today because I'm going to deal with some things that are personal. You know that I'm very transparent I think sometimes people believe that if you're a pastor or that you're involved in ministry that you never go through heartache or problems or bad situations. So I'm going to share some things with you, but you've got to understand something. And look what Paul said, and this is really what I'm saying, what Paul said in Philippians 3, and I want to begin at verse 12, and I'm actually going through verse 14. Philippians 3 beginning at verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. Ladies and gentlemen, I have it. I have a long way to go. And I'll be the first one to tell you that there have been times when I've been striving for that goal and I would take two steps forward and one step backwards because I've not always succeeded But what I have done in Jesus Christ, I have never let that stop me from pursuing the goal in Jesus Christ. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Jesus Christ saved me for a reason. And yes, a great part of that was so that I could live in eternity with him. But also a part of that reason was because he had a calling and a purpose for my life here on this earth. And I want to tell you something. That's not just for me. That There is a calling. There is a purpose for each and every one of you under the sound of my voice. God has saved you through Jesus Christ because he has a purpose and a calling for you here on this earth. Now, when we leave this earth, we're going to go to eternity and be able to live with him forever and ever and ever. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I forget it, but you realize you have to strain, you have to fight, you have to persevere because your past will try to hold you in the past. And there are some people who are proud of their past. I'm not. Now, if it had to do with Jesus Christ after I was born again, I give him glory for it. 
Because anything that I accomplished, it was because of him and in him. But Paul said, I forget those things of the past, and I strain toward what is ahead. I press toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I really was not going to share this, but I felt so prompted by the Holy Spirit Many of you here this morning, you've heard some or part of the story. But again, I'm sharing this, and and, and ladies and gentlemen, I do not want you to feel any pity or sorry or sorrowful for me whatsoever. Because what I'm going to share, that is my past, and I forget the past. I strain toward the goal in Christ Jesus. Amen? And I know that we've all had hard growing up situations, and some even harder than others. But just to share with you and get a glimpse of of my life, as I was growing up, now I had a Christian mother who knew what it was to pray for her family, and I, I believe to a great deal I am where I am and who I am today because of the prayers of my Christian mom. Can anybody say amen? Because you had a Christian mother. But my father was on the far other extreme. My father began to drink bootleg whiskey when he was 12 years old. And by the time he was 15, he was a full-blown alcoholic with bootleg. How many of you know what bootleg is? Ooh, okay. That, that was just a little bit of a tale, Okay. Gotcha. (laughs) By the time I was born, brought into my family, I was the middle child, the second child. And again, my father was just absolutely an alcoholic. He would say he'd get up every morning and take a drink of his whiskey, and he said he had to have it to get going during the day. And then that one drink turned into two, and the two turned into ten, and the ten turned into a half a pint and a pint before he would even go to work in the morning. That's how bad it was. But during that time of growing up, this is what I heard, and I'm not exaggerating. This is what I heard every day of my life. Boy, you don't have enough brains to get out of a shower of... And I don't know a polite way to say it in church. Poop. Emoji stack of poop. (laughs) Y'all know what I'm talking about. That's what I heard every day of my life. And you know what? Growing up, I didn't think I had enough brains to get out of a shower. And so guess what I did? I acted like it. I acted like I didn't have the brains or the sense to get out of the shower of that stuff. And I began to act it out and live my life in the neighborhood we lived in and in the school I went to. I was not a good student. And then God, at the age of 14, brought a little girl into my life. And her name was Sharon. Now Sharon, (laughs) yeah, Sharon was a born-again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking Christian at the age of 15 when I met her. She wasn't going to mess around 
with some fool. I, I just say it like it is. And if you're offended, I'm offended that you're offended, okay? <laughs> and so we began to see each other. And so by the time we had spent some time together, I made a complete and total commitment to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Now, I don't give Sharon praise for it. I give Jesus Christ praise for it. I thank God for her. I thank God that she lived the life in front of me. And she wouldn't acquiesce to my life. She lived a life in front of me that I knew I needed to. And I'll tell you something else. At the age of 12, I knew that God was calling me to be a pastor at the age of 12. But I didn't want to be. I didn't want to do that because that was no fun. You couldn't live the life that I wanted to live and have fun. I'm going to tell you something. I've had so much fun being a pastor. Hallelujah. Let me show you how much fun I have. How many of you noticed J.J. or Trey's colors this morning? He had on purple and gold this morning. Ooh, LSU. I'm just saying that's what he had on. <laughs> of course, I was aggravating somebody back in the back hall, and that somebody was Bobby Jones. <laughs> and I realized about halfway through aggravating him, I put my hand around him. I realized, oh, the man's packing. <laughs> and I thought, I thought, man... I've gone completely stupid to aggravate him. I walked off and found somebody else I could aggravate. Bobby, I love you, brother. I love you. You pull for whoever you want to pull for, okay? <laughs> I'm just showing you, where was it written that as a Christian you can't have fun? Where was it written that when you become a Christian that your life is sad? My Jesus makes me happy every single day. He gives me joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. That's my Jesus. But I am really concerned that there are too many people today that they live their life. Let me back up and say it this way. Because they have been victimized so much. And guys, I understand that people can be victimized. I was victimized for a time in my life. Now, thank God I never was physically abused. Don't, I don't want you to read anything into my story that is not there. I was never physically abused. It was all emotional and verbal abuse what I dealt with. And I realize that there are people who have literally had it so much worse than I did because they've been physically and verbally and mentally abused, emotionally. But there are times when people, they've been abused and victimized so much in their life that they believe that's the only life that they can ever have. 
And ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to say something and it's going to sound very hard, but we're going to work our way through this. There comes a time that if you do not let Jesus Christ make a difference in your life, that you change from being just a victim to being a volunteer. A victim is one that they don't have a choice. And so many haven't had a choice. But a volunteer is one who are, who's in similar circumstances, but they just go along to get along and cooperate with what's happening. So this morning, I want to talk about casting down every victim mentality that Satan has tried and is trying to bring against us and you. I know I'm going to date myself with this illustration, and some of you will remember it. But years ago, there was an advertisement, and it was all about a a skinny, scrawny young man on a beach. And as he was on the beach, a a real buff, solid, well-built guy came up and kicked sand in his face. And that wasn't the first time. But this time, shortly after it happened, he came across an advertisement, and it was an advertisement from someone by the name of Charles Atlas. And he said, if you'll follow my course, you can change your life. And this man became involved with the course of Charles Atlas, and it did change his life because it changed his body style. He began to put muscle on. He began to put some weight on. And as the muscle and the weight grew, so did his confidence. And so it was about a year and a half or so later, I don't remember that exactly, but he goes back to the beach to where he had been victimized and he found that bully and he kicked sand in the face of that bully instead of the other way around. Because following Charles Atlas' regiment, he now was able to do it. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you I was victimized, but you know what? I really wasn't victimized so much from my father than it was from Satan because I believe that Satan knew that at the age of 12 that God had called me to preach, but he was using my father to tell me, you don't have enough brains to be able to be a pastor, but I finally got this word of God. I went through the regiment of the word of God and I began to grow strong. I began to build some spiritual muscles and I went on that beach where the enemy was and I found him and I kicked the sand in the enemy's face and I said, I will be everything that God has called me to be. I may make some mistakes along the way, but you're not going to stop me because God has called me and given me a purpose. Hallelujah. Praise God.
beginning at verse 6. Oh, there we come. Beginning at verse 6. Oh, my God. Going through all of that, look at this first word right here. Humble yourself. Now, tell me that God doesn't have a sense of humor. Yes, Lord. Humble yourself, therefore, into God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Pastor Joey shared some of that this morning. Be alert and of sober mind. Neil talked about that last week, not being intoxicated by the things that the enemy tries to bring into your life. But he says the enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But resist him, standing firm in the faith. How do you resist him? You stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. Now, if you will, just turn back a few pages to James chapter 4 and look at verse 7. James tells us the very same thing. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves then to God. Peter said, stand firm in the faith. James says, submit yourself to God. Then resist the devil and he will flee from you. See how those scriptures talk about the devil is looking for somebody that he can victimize. He's looking for someone to devour. But God says that we can do something about it. We don't have to be victimized. We don't have to be devoured. But instead, we stand firm in the faith. We submit ourselves to God. We resist the enemy. And Satan, and God has given us a promise that Satan, he would flee from us. We don't have to be a victim. We can be a victor. So I'm going to share a few things as time allows this morning on what it is, what we do to be a victim. A victim, number one, is a person who volunteers to remain a victim. Whether it is an abused abused wife, abused child, husband, whatever the situation, and I'm sorry for it, I genuinely, truly am, but they finally just get to a point to where they're saying, I'm just going to have to live with it, my life is never going to change. Nowhere in the word of God will you find that you're just going to have to live with it. God never called you to just live with it. God called you to be a victor. God has called you to be a champion. And he has given you the things to be a champion, to be a victor through Jesus Christ. And he said that if we would submit ourselves to God, if we would stand firm in the faith, standing on the word of God, that we would no longer be a victim now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, it may not happen like a snap of a finger or overnight, but God has given us, given you, given me a promise that if we'll stand on his word, if we will submit ourselves to him and make him the Lord and the Savior of our life, that God will change our circumstances. We don't have to give in. We don't have to say we will just always live this way. And the second one goes right along with that. It's someone who grows weary 
in battle. You can turn to Galatians 6, 9. Because of time, I'm going to go right on through it. But the Bible says in Galatians 6, 9 that we are not to grow tired or grow weary because in the proper time, in due season, we will reap the blessing of God. Don't grow tired. Don't grow weary. Don't give up. A victim is one who just simply gives up. Sometimes to be a victor, you have to push forward. Matter of fact, I will say not sometimes, but every time. To be a victor, you have to push forward as hard as you can. Paul made statements like this, that he has fought the good fight of faith. He talks about wrestling. He talks about pulling down strongholds. He talks about not being a victim, not giving in, not getting tired, but doing whatever it takes to pull down the strongholds, to wrestle the enemy to the ground, whatever it is to win the good fight. God has said, I've called you to do it, and we can and we will in and through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. But a victim, a victim will always say, I'm just too tired. I've gone through too much. I just can't do this any longer. And so they'll give up because they're tired. Number three, a victim is one who has no conviction. No conviction about life. And because there's no conviction, there's no commitment. No commitment to family, no commitment to God, no conviction or commitment to who you are. Jesus said, don't doubt. Because a doubter is like a wave of the sea, blown about this way and that way. And when you're a doubter and you're blown about, you become double-minded and unstable in all of your ways. You have no conviction. You have no commitment. I've said it before and I'll say it again. God has a purpose for you. He has a destiny for you. He has a reason for you being. And that reason is not to be victimized. That reason is not for you to be beat by someone, put down by someone. But God has called you and you need to be in that commitment and you need to have that conviction in Jesus Christ and know that Jesus Christ will make a difference. Fourthly, a victim is one who accepts his or her present situation as their final destination. Did you, do you understand that just falling in the water does not cause you to drown? It's you saying, this is my final destination, and you don't do anything to get out of the water. You'll drown. If you say, this is my final destination because of the situation you're in, and you never do anything to get out of it, you'll drown. But God has not called you to accept it as your final destination. Your pre present circumstances may be bad. They may bring heartache to you. 
They may bring sorrow to you. Well, this is the way it is, and this is the way it will always be. Let me tell you something. I know in my heart, had I settled for that, I would have never been married almost 48 years to the most beautiful, wonderful woman that there is. I would not. Because you see, somewhere along the way, I would have begun to believe, well, I'm not good enough for her. She's way too good. Well, and she is too good for me. I'll, I'll admit that. But God blessed her. Let me, let me show you how much God blessed her. I weighed 160 pounds when we got married. And over the years, God has blessed her a hundredfold. <laughs> yes, Lord. <laughs> Jesus. Things will never change. That's what a victim says. But things will and can change in Jesus Christ. Number five, in my last one, I'm going to have to stop. They've set no goals for their future. They've set no goals, no real goals for their future. When I first began to pastor, we kind of went through a rough spot in the church. And so I, I took a job outside of the church to help out. And I was an insurance salesman. Some of you will remember this. I had a debit route. And I actually sold insurance in the homes. And then I would go back and collect some weekly, some bi-weekly, and some monthly. That was my job. I did that for about a year. And on one of those situations, I was in a home, uh, very socioeconomically challenged, and I was talking to a young lady. She was probably about 15 years old. And I, I was very sincere. And I, I asked her, I said, uh, and I called her name. I knew who she was because I'd, I'd been in the house to collect insurance quite often. I called her name and I said, what, what's your dream for your future? What do you plan on being uh, when you turn 18? What's, what's your goals in life? And, and she looked at me and she said, my goal is to get pregnant and collect money from the state. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I understand there's some people who've had to done that and it's been a blessing to them. And I don't take that away from them, okay? Because of situations they just could not help. But you see, this young lady, that was her goal. And you know why it was? Because that's all she had seen in her family for two or three generations. And I told her, and I began to tell her, I said, but that's not what God has called you to do. I said, God has a purpose for you. He, he has a desire for you. God has a dream for you. You need to begin to ask God. 
I said, I'm telling you, God wants you to graduate high school. And she said, but nobody in my family has. I said, then God wants you to be the first one. And I, I called her again by name. And I said, you know what? He may want you to go, co to, go to college. She said, no one in my family's ever done that. And I said, then you may be the first one. But I'm telling you, God has a purpose. He has a reason for you being here more than just collecting money from the state. Because if you do that, you'll always hit that ceiling. You'll never go any further. And God wants to take you further and further and further in Jesus Christ. There are no ends to what God wants to do when he begins to bless you in your life. How many of you know and understand that and can say amen? Praise God. I thank God we have the story of the little lady with the issue of blood. And she had gone to all the doctors. She had spent all of her money. And she heard that Jesus was coming through. She could have said, you know what? I've done all of this for 12 years. I'm at the end of my road. I can't do anything else. I'm just going to stay here and die. Write the scripture down. You can turn later in Matthew 9 and 21. It says in that scripture, Jesus talking. He said, but for she said within herself she said it within herself I'm going to get up from here and if I can just touch the hem of his garment hallelujah here's what I've found if I'll say it within myself and I'll just go even if I just touch the hem of his garment then he'll do something in my life that'll take me a little bit further. And when I go there, he'll do something in my life to take me a little bit further. God is always moving forward, moving forward, moving forward. And I want you to understand today, God never stops. He does not stop. If you're stopping, you're going backwards. God is always in procession. He's always moving you forward. He's always got something better for you. And he never, ever wants you to be a victim. He doesn't want you to be a volunteer. God has called you to be a victor. He has called you to be a champion in Jesus Christ. I declare that over you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Give God praise and stand up with me. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. I shared this on a Wednesday night, but I want to share it here on a Sunday morning because I want God to get all the glory for it. Many of you know, most of you know, that uh, I had been going through some real challenges uh, especially with my right leg, but it was in both legs. Just over a year ago, October past was a year ago, I began to have some situations, some blisters, some ulcers on my legs, went to the dermatologist. They gave me something to do. I'd go back, they'd say, keep doing what you're doing, but it just got worse. By the end of the year, I said, look, we've, we've got to do something else. This is getting worse. They sent me over to the wound clinic in Athens. They began to do some stuff that helped for a little while. Then they did some cultures, and they said, Mr. Willis, you've got staph infection in your leg. And at that time, it was probably, I don't know what that is, three by three, I don't know. That was about the size of it, but it was staph infection. I said, okay, what do we do? Well, here, take these antibiotics. I began to take antibiotics, and the staph infection grew. 
it grew in my leg and grew in my leg until eventually, and I am not exaggerating, you can ask Sharon, she would see it regularly. From the back of my knee here, all the way down to the ankle on the back of my leg, it was an open wound. And I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to be gross here, but it was constantly weeping. Um, I had to put all kind of wraps around it and change them two or three times a day. My socks, my shoes would get wet from it, but it was the infection that was just running and running and weeping. Well, it went from staff to Mercer. If some of you, especially you in the medical field, you, you understand. Mercer basically is just a worse degree of staff. And so they said, well, you know what? We've done all we can do. We're going to send you to the infectious disease doctor in uh, Huntsville. Now, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I began to feel like a victim. Doing everything we could do, and it wasn't getting better, it was getting worse. In this meantime, Dr. Bosman was here. On Sunday night, Dr. Bosman called me out. Some of you are going to remember this because you were here, and right there, and Dr. Bosman began to pray and declare healing over me in Jesus' name. And man, I grabbed onto that. I received that. I began to praise God. I went home and I told Sharon, I said, Sharon, it's going to be fantastic. Next Sunday, I'm going to get up and I'm going to show them pictures of what it used to be. And I'm going to show them a completely healed leg. And guess what? It got worse. Any of you ever had that to happen? <laughs> See, Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy. He wanted to steal that word away from me. So I made my appointment and went to see the infectious disease doctor probably a couple of weeks after Dr. Bosman. We're sitting there, and she's looking at my chart, and she said, Mr. Willis, how long have you had this infection? And I said, well, we've known about it since January, but I believe it's been longer than that. And she looked at my chart again, and she said, and you've had a heart valve replacement? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, well, I'm not trying to scare you, but she said, if that infection were to have gotten into your bloodstream, I'm not talking about two months or two weeks. She said, you may have had two days to live, and that would have been it. That week, I'm sitting on my deck drinking coffee. And I'm, I'm feeling victimized. I, 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 I just got to tell you the truth. Pastor Tony wasn't smiling. Didn't feel like smiling. And I'm sitting out there and I'm saying, God, I know you healed me. Why didn't I see the manifestation? Why don't I see the manifestation? And I, I'm just having a pity party. Any of you know what a pity party is? It's when you're just feeling so sorry for yourself. And, and really, I, I wish Sharon had come out the back door because I wanted her to have this pity party with me. I wanted her to feel sorry for me because God didn't heal me. I couldn't believe it. God, you didn't heal me. Man of God, you didn't heal me. 
And ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, just as clear as you can hear me, this is what I heard. He said, but Tony, I'm telling you, that night that Dr. Bosman prayed for you, he said, that's the night that I stopped that infection from getting into your bloodstream. Now, you talk about somebody really crying. I was crying, but it wasn't a pity party. I was crying because I asked God to forgive me first for feeling sorry for myself. I asked God to forgive me for playing like I was a victim. When all along I was a victor because Satan said, I mean the Holy Spirit said, after Satan had wanted to do something, the Holy Spirit said, I'm drawing this line and you're not coming any further. And you know what? From that day forward, it got better, it got better, it got better, and it got better. Hallelujah. One of the scriptures said, and you shall lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And that word recover means they will get better and better and better and better. Hallelujah. I am recovering. Hallelujah. I am not a victim. I am not in Satan's arena. I am in the arena of Jesus Christ. He is my champion and he's called me to be a champion right along with him. Oh, Jesus, I, I've got to get out of this. Oh, bless the Lord. If you've been a victim and you say this morning, it, it's time, it's, it's enough, I will no longer be a victim. You may not even have an idea of, of a way out, but God does. God does. Because God can see everything. We can only see what's right in front of us. But God can see the route that he's going to take you on. That's why sometimes he'll say, this is the way. Walk in it. Walk in this way. Go this way. Follow me. Follow me. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.